Welcome to An English Prof Reads the Bible. I'm your host, Megan. I teach English at a small Bible college, and in this podcast, I use what I know about reading literature to help you read the Bible. Welcome to episode number three on Psalm 16. So far, we've discussed imagery, structure, and speaker audience, and in this episode, we're going to review the idea of speaker and audience, and we're also going to discuss implied and double meanings. So let's get started. I'm excited. I'm going to start, as usual, by reading Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You are my God. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. All right, so I want to take a few minutes and talk about how the literary aspects of this psalm help us understand what it means. Before I get going, though, I really should note that we're going to look at many of the verses, but not all of the verses. This is for two reasons. One is just podcast length. I'm trying to keep this around 15 minutes, um, and talking about every single verse is going to make it hard for me to do that. The other is topicality and relevance. Not every single verse is needed to illustrate some of the literary concepts that I want to get across, and so we can restrict ourselves to to just a few key verses. Let's go ahead and start with verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. All right, so I want you to notice something about the speaker here. It's written to God, which means that the speaker here is David or the psalmist, and the audience is God himself. This indicates that God is meant to take action. He's supposed to do something with what David is telling him here. And then also, I want you to notice that word preserve. One thing when we're thinking about the implied meanings of the words, one thing to look at is what you associate with the word mentally or visually in your head. So when I think of the word preserve, uh, the first thing I thought of was actually jam and jelly type preserves. Uh, The second thing, perhaps the thing I should have thought of first, was the life preserver. And in both of these cases, actually, preserve means uh, the thing, whether it's uh, the fruit or whether it's a person, is being protected in the face of some threat. And so that the speaker asks God to preserve him implies that God is going to uh, take action to protect us in danger. It also implies, since the speaker is asking to be preserved, it implies that the speaker is in some kind of trouble. I don't ask for preservation when everything is going hunky-dory. The second thing I want to look at here is the second verse. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, my goodness is nothing apart from you. 
It's interesting that we have a shift in speaker and audience. The psalmist goes from talking to God to talking to himself. In this section, he is both the speaker and the audience. And interestingly, he says, Oh, my soul, you have said to the Lord, and then he's talking to God again. My goodness is nothing apart from you. And so in this verse, he's talking to himself about a time when he was talking to God, and so this becomes a little bit of a, a wheels within wheels kind of thing, a, a Russian nesting doll of a verse. And the word implication is going to help us, or the implied meanings of the words are going to help us understand what's going on here with this with this Russian nesting doll. The word that I want to concentrate on here is the word my. And the second thing that you can ask yourself when you're trying to think about the implied meanings of the words is what role or what place or what job does that word do in the sentence? In this case, the word my is a possessive word. It indicates a relationship, in this case, a relationship between the speaker and God. The second word that I want to look at here is the word goodness. And when we're thinking about implied meanings, We can also think about double meanings, when a word means two things. Here, I think goodness can have uh, two meanings. We tend to think of it, especially when we see it in the Bible, as righteousness. Um, Good living, right living, the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. But given that the speaker's in trouble, I think it can also be read at the same time as good things in life. In the Psalms especially, the speaker talks a lot about getting a long life, getting a bountiful harvest. And so both of these things at once are conjured up by the word goodness. This suggests to me that we get both of these things through our relationship with God. When we are in trouble, we nevertheless find good things, long life, bounty, and also righteousness through the relationship with God. And so, circling back to the speaker talking to himself here about talking to God, what's going on is that the psalmist seems to be instructing himself to remember his own relationship with God, remember a time when he was depending on God for good things, depending on God for his righteousness, and use that memory to buoy him up during this time of hardship. That leads us to uh, the fifth verse uh, that I want to focus on. You are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. And here I find the words are and the interesting. It's totally an English teacher thing to get all excited about the being verb and the article. I know. All right. So thinking about the implied meanings of these words again, another question uh, that we can ask ourselves when we're trying to get at the meaning of a word is we can think about what sets this word apart from other words that the speaker might have chosen. And then also the the tense is another important thing to look at. So when we think about the word are, I notice that its tense is present tense. It's happening right this moment, right now. In the middle of trouble, this is going on. And then we also have the word the, and I notice that the word the is singular, only one. You know, the speaker also could have chosen to say a, Right, and we can see the difference more clearly with an example. Think about saying a bride versus the bride. If we say a bride, she's just one of many. But if we say the bride, now we're at a specific wedding, watching her come down the aisle in all her splendor. And so, um, you know, we're, we're really focused on her. 
And so what the speaker here is saying is God is the only one. We're focused on God. It is God alone, not God plus something else that remains our help in times of trouble, not God plus our bank account or God plus our family or God plus our, our job or even God plus our own, our own good deeds. It is God alone who remains our help in trouble. Then I want to look at verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad. And we can think about the tense again here. I have set, have set. This is something that we've done in the past. If I if I go up to my mom and say, hey, mom, I have set the table. Uh, when I say I have set the table, I better have done it already or I'm going to get in trouble. And so have set means that the speaker has done something in the past. What is it? So let's look at uh, some more implied words here. I have set the Lord always before me. And when we're thinking about implied meanings, we also want to try to visualize what's going on in our mind. So when we picture uh, putting something before us, that means we are facing it. And when we're facing something, it's important. Maybe we're at a ball game and we're facing the field because it's important. We're not turning around to look at other people in the stands. Maybe we're on a date and we're facing our date. We're not craning our neck to look at the other people in the restaurant. Or maybe we're driving. We'd better dang well be facing the road, right? And so what the speaker has done is he's put God out in front of him and he's made God important to him. And then the word therefore, thinking about the job that it has in the sentence, the word therefore is a connector word and it's bridging this putting, making God important with Therefore, my heart is glad, this idea of gladness. And it's suggesting that by making God important to him in the past, this past relationship allows the speaker to weather his, his trial. Which leads to the final verse that I want to focus on, which is verse 10. You will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. And the last thing that I think is worth talking about here is when we're thinking about the implied meaning of words, we want to think about how words connect with each other. And here are the words that seem to connect are my soul and your holy one. In other words, our hope, um, our trust in God is intertwined with God's Messiah, Jesus. And this is where ultimately our final hope lies. And so that brings us to our, our takeaway or the big idea of the psalm. There's actually a lot here, three big takeaway points that I found. Number one, we will go through trouble. That's part of this life that the psalmist recognizes way back when he says, God, preserve me. Number two, in trouble, the Lord alone is our source of righteousness and our goodness. And this is a promise guaranteed by God's Messiah, Jesus. And then number three, this is a truth that we need to continually speak to ourselves, speaking truth to ourselves the same way the psalmist says, all right, think back on that relationship you had with God. Think back on the goodness that he has done for you. Remember the relationship that you have built up. And by remembering God's goodness to us and and speaking that to ourselves, we build the foundation that we need to rely on in times of difficulty. 
So two applications for us. One spiritual. In what ways uh, can you speak this truth to yourself? Has God done something good for you? Has he given you his righteousness in the past that you can remember? How can you remember his goodness more today? And then literary. Consider questions like a word's job in a sentence, the differences from similar words, the mental pictures that we get when we think about a word, and what things look like in real life to decide what the implied meanings of the word are. This brings us to the end of episode three of An English Prof Reads the Bible. I'm so glad that you could join us today. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to stay in touch with the show. If you'd like us, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to us on iTunes. We'll see you next week for another episode of An English Prof Reads the Bible. Thank you.